This is the Sergio Rodriguez Show. Welcome, everybody, to the Sergio Rodriguez Show, a show unlike any other. Today, interesting show in terms of the weekend of football that we had. Six games, very unique style, something that I think the NFL might need to consider because moving forward you know they added the extra team this year because of the covid situation but something that they might need to consider because i think it put a lot of premium on the one seed and i think the three game format worked out spectacularly particularly because it gives you a margin for error if you don't get a good game here and there which look it's gonna be the case sometimes right Fortunately for the NFL this week, the games that probably would be, you know, lopsided would be that 2-7 game or the 3-6 game, but the 2-7 game in the AFC Buffalo and uh, and Indianapolis was a great game. The Bears-Saints game was a snoozer in the NFC, but you know what? I mean, it was 21-9. If the Bears could have done anything on offense, they could have made that game competitive so the games were all pretty much you know competitive but again it gives you a margin for error as you're going through the day and looking at these games the other thing we're going to discuss is the national championship game and i know that they, they, they had some bad ratings for the alabama ohio state game and a lot of people over the last 24 hours have been complaining and saying that you know essentially nobody wanted to watch alabama they're sick and tired of clemson alabama but i'm going to explain to you what the real issue is with that and then obviously we're going to give you a little playoff preview for next week's four games but first triangle link triangle link is the leading manufacturer in the screen printing industry delivering the finest things for over 35 years. Check them out at trianglelink.com or call them at 1-800-524-1592. Vergona Cranes, located at 180 West Forest Avenue in Englewood, New Jersey, Vergona Crane operates 24 hours a day, providing crane rentals, trucking services, and warehousing for storage. Vergona Crane services the New York and New Jersey area Call them at 201-945-7209 or on their website at vergonacrane.com. Paramus Driving School. Safety and professionalism begins with Paramus Driving School. Serving the North Jersey area like no other. Contact them at paramusdrivingschool.com or call them at 201-986-8300. We go back to Saturday in Buffalo. The Bills handled the Colts 27-24. Both quarterbacks were really good. You know, I got to give it to Phillip Rivers. You know, Rivers is a guy that is clearly at the end of the road. We know that. I mean, would I be shocked if an athlete who is basically whose better days are over decides to come back and play one more year 
No. Should he come back and play one more year? Probably not. I think him and Roethlisberger should just walk away and 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 leave this in the hands of some younger guys. But if this was Philip Rivers' last game, I'm going to give him some credit because he was he was as good as he could be at this age. He wasn't efficient. I mean, he was 27 for 46, right? Um, you know, I mean, I I mean, I guess for 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 him this is this that's pretty good. I mean, that's it's really you know, it's as as good as you can get right now. But he was 27 for 46, 309 and two touchdowns. He was not the reason they lost. There was a play that I felt he could have made. There was a throw on a slant that he he just didn't hit, threw it behind the receiver that probably would have been a big first down during a drive. You know, but but to be honest with you, he was good. He was good. Josh Allen was just better. Allen was 26 for 35, 324, two touchdowns, and ran for one. Diggs, I mean, you can't say enough good things about the addition of Diggs this year to Buffalo. Diggs, 6 for 128 in a touchdown. But let's go back to why the Colts lost this game. They had 472 yards of offense. Perfect. They even ran for a buck 63, which is usually a great recipe in a playoff game. But at 10-7, up 10-7, in the second quarter, they pass up an opportunity to kick a field goal. And, you know, I understand a lot of these guys, a lot of these guys have stopped kicking field goals anymore in in the NFL. I don't get it. I think it's because a lot of times they find themselves in these situations where they feel that um they feel that these these games are going to be won by the team that scores the most touchdowns because these games are high scoring or more high scoring than they were in the past. But realistically, if you kick the field goal, I would tell you that if you go back and look at this, the moments of where teams A, didn't kick the field goal, or B, didn't take the extra point and started chasing points, that comes back to hurt you more than not kicking the field goal and trying to go for two and actually succeeding helps you. Because... That's a perfect situation where if you go up six in that spot, you guarantee yourself that you're going to be in essentially, worst case scenario, a one-point game when you touch the ball again, which is either going to be at the end of the half or to start the third quarter. I mean, that's what these games should be about for coaching. Setting yourself up. You know, I always bring up the fact that in basketball, 
teams have to do the two-for-one, and a lot of people don't use it, particularly in college basketball, they don't use it. You got a two-for-one teams if you can sometimes. And, and that was a perfect situation where you had, maybe you weren't going to get the ball twice in a row because Buffalo was going to receive the ball out of the half. But you knew that even if they scored a touchdown to end the half and you were down 14-13 and they came out and scored another touchdown, worst case scenario, you're down eight. But instead, they ended up not kicking the field goal. Buffalo comes down, scores a touchdown, and then Buffalo ends up kicking a field goal and getting another touchdown out of the half. So now you're down 24-10 instead of 24-13. Make a long story short, the Colts do battle back and give them credit for that. They gave themselves a shot. They had the ball, um, you know, at the end with a chance to tie. But, you know, that game should have been tied. That's the point. You passed up on points that really, you know, made no sense at the time. It just made no sense at the time. Buffalo only ran for 42 yards, and, and or from their running backs, I should say. They only got 42 yards from their running backs. Now, they only gave them the ball damn near 10 times. So it's not like they were committed to ground you know to run running the ball and I felt that there were a couple of times there in the fourth quarter where they should have ran it a couple more times I hope that doesn't become an issue for them like it did for Pittsburgh the difference is they get a lot of yards from the quarterback that is unaccounted for or unplanned when you talk about the running game Buffalo's at home to the Ravens next week the Rams, 30-20 to 20 over Seattle. Look, Seattle struggled on offense, and I told you that they would. I told you that they would. I told you that the last nine weeks, Seattle was just a mediocre to below. Uh, you know, they were just a bad offense. They were below. You know, I can't even call them mediocre. They were, be, I, I mean, they were, be, they were worse than mediocre. I mean, four of those games, and if you include the playoff game, under 200 yards passing for Russell Wilson. Wilson was 11 for 27 for a buck 74, two touchdowns and a pick six. Now, look, they did run for a buck 36, but you can't win these games and be under 300 yards of total offense. And I told you that would be the case because it was a terrible matchup for them. The Rams were a terrible matchup for them. And look, it's not like the Rams are world beaters offensively either. You guys know how I feel about them. They're a one-trick pony, and they got to trick you to score. But when you're giving them interceptions for touchdowns and turnovers with short fields, yeah, they're going to score. You know, the game was 6-3 Rams in the middle of the second quarter. I mean, that game was trending, you know, to be 17-10. To be, you know, 20 to 16, the way we predicted. But Russell Wilson throws the pick six. And from that point on, there were 24 points scored in the last six minutes of the second quarter. Wolfer started the game for, for the Rams, got hurt really early in the game, neck injury, head injury. 
And uh, Goff came in. He was 9 for 19 for a buck 55 and a touchdown. Didn't do much, but really didn't have to. Seattle's offense set this game up for them. Cam Akers, 28 carries for a buck 31 and a touchdown. The Rams travel to the Packers. Tampa Bay, 31-23 over Washington. More offense in this game than I thought. And you, I guess you can credit the kid Heineke at quarterback for Washington. He was 26 for 44, 306, a touchdown and an interception, but he played well. You know, he played well for, for, for someone who was thrusting in that situation to have to go in there and play. He did the job. Brady, 22 for 40, 381 and two touchdowns. He wasn't sharp by any means. And look, let's be honest. Let's be honest. I mean, by the way, Evans, six catches for 119. But let's be honest with Tampa Bay here. We told you that they were 1-5 going into games or versus teams with winning records. And they were going into this game to play a playoff team, but hardly a team with a winning record, right? But at 18-16, Washington holds Tampa Bay to a field goal early in the third. Washington comes back and goes three and out. That was the game right there. That was the game. And then Tampa comes back with a seven-play, 69-yard drive, and that essentially uh, culminated in a four-net touchdown run, but that essentially ended the game. You know, but they had their shot. You know, I knew that Tampa Bay was not going to run away from these guys because, one, the Washington defense is pretty good. And Tampa Bay struggles with teams that are good. Now, is Washington a good team? No. But the side of the defense, but but the side, which is the defensive side, who was playing Tampa's main side, which is their offense, was going to neutralize them a little. They just don't have enough offense to beat Tampa. But if Tampa would have been playing a team with a decent offense, yeah, they, they, they would have gone down. Tampa is not as good as their record says they are. And now they travel to the Saints next week. The Ravens 20-13 to 13 over Tennessee. And I was shocked by this game. I really did not think that Tennessee would lose this game, especially not after they went up 10-0. You know, the Titans up 10-0 with the momentum, and they allowed the Ravens to tie it with essentially what what came down to a defensive breakdown and a nice run by Lamar Jackson, a good football play by a good football player. You know, he, on a third and long, you're about to get them off the field. He runs out of the pocket and he scampers damn near 50 yards for a touchdown. I, you know, that gave them life. It put them back in the game. If Tennessee goes into the half up 10-3, it's a whole different ball game. It gave the Ravens life. Tennessee could not get going on offense either. And that was another issue. You know, Tannehill was 18 for 26 for a buck 65, did throw a touchdown, also had an interception at the end of the game. Henry, 18 for 40. I mean, at 40 yards. The, the Ravens held a 2,000 yard runner to 40 yards this game. They only had 209 yards of total offense, but they still could have won this game which is something that has to worry you if you're a Ravens fan going into Buffalo next week because you essentially played as good a game as you can play in terms of how you would script a game. 
Lamar Jackson did his thing. He threw for 170-something yards, which is what he does. I think he threw for 179. Did have the interception early in the game. He ran for 136. Those are his games, and you played solid defense. But that's not going to cut it against Buffalo. At least I don't expect it to. The Ravens did have 401 yards of offense, and 236 of that came rushing. Baltimore is at Buffalo next week. I'm sorry, Baltimore. Yeah, Baltimore is at Buffalo next week. The Saints, 21-9 over the Bears. The Bears, 239 yards of total offense. We're getting, you seeing the trend here. It seems like these teams who were traditionally bad on offense, Washington did okay, but the Bears struggled. Tennessee, who is not traditionally bad on offense, struggled. But in each one of these games had one of these teams that just could not muster up enough offense, particularly when they needed it. Um, I mean, the Bears damn near scored six points on the last play of the game. So I, I, they it, this game was basically 21-3. The game, look, at 14-3, the game was in danger already for the Bears. And then the Saints go on a 15-play, nine-minute drive. At that point, ball game. The Saints got 23 for 99 from Kamara. And Breeze was 28 for 39 for 265 and two touchdowns. Breeze, you know, he's another one who I can throw in that Rivers-Roethlisberger conversation about it being time to move on. Mitch Trubisky, 19 for 29, 199 and a touchdown. But realistically, nothing of, of, of value really to the game. The Bears only ran for 48 yards and now the Saints will be hosting Tampa Bay. The Browns, 48-37 over Pittsburgh. The Browns jumped out 28-0 in 35-7. And the game was over at that point. Pitt had everything go wrong for them. Everything go wrong for them. They start the game off with a bad snap for a touchdown. Then on the next drive, they're at midfield. So now you're down 7 nothing, but you're at midfield about to just answer that. Roethlisberger throws an interception. Next drive, punt. Next drive, they get a holding penalty, which puts them in a first and 20, and then another interception sets up Cleveland at the 15 going in, and now you look up, and it's Cleveland 28-0. Now, I had picked Cleveland to win this game, although I must say, we were 0-3 on the Sergio Rodriguez picks. We had the under in the Rams game, which looked good and then just went haywire late in that second quarter. We had the under in the um in the Tampa Washington game. And then we had Tennessee and all three obviously lost. But we did have Cleveland, uh, you know, when we spoke about the games last week in the playoff preview, I did feel that Cleveland would go in there and win because I've been saying it all year that Pittsburgh was a paper tiger and I knew that they would struggle in this type of game. Baker Mayfield, 
21 for 34, 263, and three touchdowns. My friend Sid sent me an interesting an interesting note. He sent me a thing that 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 read that Baker Mayfield is the oldest remaining quarterback of the four AFC quarterbacks still alive. That that's incredible. And that's why I tell you that guys like Ben and uh Rivers and Breeze have to now just move on and leave these leave the leave this game to to these younger cats. Ben Roethlisberger. So I'm going to be read Ben Roethlisberger's stats the way the way his mom would read them. 47 for 68, 501 and four touchdowns. She would leave out those four interceptions. <laughs> the Browns travel to Kansas City next week. Lucimer Auto Body, located at 27 Austin Street in Newark, provides top-of-the-line service to make your collision experience as smooth as possible. Go to lucimer.com or call them at 973-824-0113. M&J Luxury, Inc., for the most unique experience in the medical transportation business, call M&J. Located in New York City with over a 1,000 cars at your disposal, call them at 718-278-2222 or 914-484-7264. You know, the national championship game for football played out and uh, Alabama beat... Ohio State 52 to 24 a week after Ohio State had really looked really good um against Clemson and what came out of this game was a couple of things number 1 it was lowest rated game ever if if I'm not mistaken, for a championship game is what I read. And number two, on Twitter and uh, all the social media stuff that that I read, was a criticism of the lack of parity that exists in college football in terms of it's becoming similar to women's college basketball or women's college softball, right? Where you turn it on in the beginning of the year and you can predict who's going to be standing at the end. Now, who's standing at the end might rotate between two or three teams, but whether you're doing filling out a women's NCAA bracket in basketball, just put the top four seeds you're going to hit most of the time. If you're watching softball, I can tell you that anyone reasonable in the softball world can pick out the eight teams that are going to be in the final in the final eight. And college football's becoming that way to a lot of people. But let me tell you what the difference is. I don't know outside of just altering the scholarship situation in basketball and in a sport like softball, I don't know how you could fix that. 
I mean, there's a lot of things that can be done, but they just, they're, they're too dramatic. But football's not really in that same situation. It appears that way, but it's not. Let me explain to you what the issue is. When college football switched from the old format of bowl games, right, of the Pac-12 and the Big Ten playing in the Rose Bowl and, uh, you know, the ACC and, you know, somebody playing in the, in the Orange Bowl and, and, and so on and so forth. What we got with that was repetitive matchups that would happen now in bowl games. Because now you're playing a Final Four. Everybody thought the Final Four was going to be a good thing for college football because it was going, the games was going to be decided on the field. Theoretically, that sounds great. But what's happening is it's putting, it's giving a reprieve that was never there years ago for teams that lost the game. And let me give you an example. So like in 2012, in 2012, the number one team in the BCS going into the game was Notre Dame. They were undefeated at the time. They were 12-0. Did we believe they were the best team? No. No, we didn't. We knew that. But they had the one ranking. They would have never played Alabama. So, therefore, they probably would have played their bowl game, let's say, against the Miami in the Orange Bowl or Oklahoma or whatever. They would have won that game, and they would have been probably the national champion at 13-0. Clearly not the best team, but they had the ranking because Alabama had lost earlier in the year. That's a title Alabama would not have. So in the 80s, when Miami was winning four titles in seven years, they probably could have won seven and seven in this format. But that format didn't exist. Or this format didn't exist. So if you lost to Florida State, you were out. And if you lost one game, you needed to hope that if you were the three seed or the the, the, the third-ranked team, and you were playing the sixth-ranked team in, you know, the Sugar Bowl. You had to hope that the one in the two, the the one in the two-ranked teams lost, so you could be the next team up. Another example of that was 2017, another year Alabama won. Alabama was the four seed in the bracket. The two seed, the one seed that year was Clemson. Alabama beats Clemson, so. Back in 1991, that would have made the, the second-ranked team in the country the national champion. Well, Oklahoma lost as the two to Georgia. Georgia would have won the national title that year. And so my point is, I understand that the game is being decided on the field and we're getting, theoretically, the best team winning. But the fact is that the, the disparity in the talent is not that far off between these teams. They are losing 
They're just losing during the regular season, but it's they're losing so early and they're getting a reprieve. They're getting another crack. We would have always had this same situation if this same situation in terms of the bowl games or, or in terms of the BCS was around in the 80s and 90s. So I don't see any more dominance from a team like Alabama than we would have had from a Miami, than we would have had from a Nebraska. It's just that they're being given a reprieve. It sucks because something that they thought would help is actually hurting. And let me tell you something. If you go to 18s, which is what I hear every year, it'll be worse. Because then you're definitely, definitely not going to be able to keep out teams like Alabama, teams like Clemson. Because even in a bad year, they're better than most. And if they happen to stub their toe twice, they'll get in as an eight seed. So, I, you know, it, it, it's crazy that everybody thinks that there's this disparity, but I, the disparity is in the system. If you want parity, you have to make the regular season count the way it did back in the 80s and 90s. That's the solution. Fairfield Physical Therapy. Located in the Fairfield Commons, Suite G106 is owned and operated by Justin Solotov, who has over 20 years of experience in the field of orthopedic physical therapy. Call Justin at 973-276-1313 and stop living with pain and discomfort. And by the way, I have to have Justin on. I have to have Justin on. Justin's a big sports guy. More importantly, a big St. John's guy. I got to do about a 10 or 15 minute spot with Justin to talk about St. John's pretty soon. Epic Car Service recognizes the number one service in New York City by medical transportation standards located in the Bronx, New York. Epic Car Service will make your commute a safe and comfortable experience. Call Epic at 718-401-3742 or 844-666-6278. The gambling portion slash playoff preview portion of this program is sponsored to you by Stan Sports Center. Stan Sports Center is your local full-service authorized team dealer for all of your favorite sports brands. Family-owned and operated, Stan's has proudly supplied apparel, uniforms, equipment, varsity jackets, and much more for the entire tri-state area since 1946 find them at find them online at stansportctr.com and contact them today for your sporting goods needs let's go to saturday game one on saturday the team that i think will win the super bowl the green bay packers will be on display they are a six and a half point favorite at home, four o'clock game. The total's 45 and a half versus the Rams. <clears throat> Look, this game is going to be very simple. Green Bay's either going to win this game 28 17, or they're going to win 28 24. The reason I say that is because 
like I always tell you guys, the Rams need to score early. If you get out of the first quarter and the Rams don't have seven to ten points on the board, unless Green Bay pulls a Seattle and basically just gives them the game, the Rams are not going to score more than 17 points. Now, I expect Green Bay to score, but I will say this. Going into the Tennessee game that Green Bay played late in the year, I said that Green Bay showed me a lot because Green Bay tends to struggle against physical teams. I don't know if the Rams have enough offense to actually punish Green Bay if they have an off day offensively. Although understand that an off day offensively for Green Bay is going to be 24 points. I like Green Bay in this game and I like them to cover the six and a half. Game two on Saturday is Buffalo. Baltimore travels to Buffalo. Buffalo's a two and a half point favorite and that total is 50. Little bit of a confusing line for me. I think Vegas is banking on the fact that a lot of people are going to bet Baltimore based on the fact that, like I mentioned last week, they've been playing playoff football for about six or seven weeks, and they just played on TV this past weekend and obviously, you know, won. Because that line basically tells me that you really believe, Vegas believes that on a neutral field, Baltimore is a half-point favorite over Buffalo, I, I I just find that hard to believe. So I got to believe that the line is that low because they know that the money's going to be on the Baltimore side and they figure, why are we going to lay, why are we going to give the team that, that's going to get bet the most, the most points? You know, Buffalo played a tighter game with the Colts than probably was expected, although that game was 24-10. So I don't know what Vegas might be thinking. The only thing I can figure, like I said, is the why give more points to a team where we feel the money's going to go that way anyway. So I'm I'm interested to see how that money, if that switches, that line might even go to two by the time that game's over. I still like Buffalo coming out of the AFC. I'm I'm not going to jump ship. And I expect them to at least be able to put up 24 to 27 points. I don't know if Baltimore can get to that mark offensively. Sunday at 3 o'clock, Kansas City hosts Cleveland, and they're a 10-point favorite, and the total is 57. Cleveland can do some damage on the ground, and Cleveland has the recipe that you would need to beat Kansas City, right? Because if you run the ball and you keep them on the sideline, Mahomes doesn't touch the ball. The problem that Cleveland's going to have is twofold. One, Mahomes doesn't need more than a minute and a half to score. So they can give you the time of possession and still score 30. But the thing that would bother me the most if I were a Cleveland fan is that Cleveland seems to have, even in games where they look good and dominate, whether it was the Cowboy game this year, whether it was even on Sunday against Pittsburgh, they're going to have a quarter to a quarter and a half 
where the defense just gives up, you know, 25 points. I mean, it, it, it's just, it's just uncanny. And you can, and 25 points to average teams or average offenses is going to be 40 if you play that game with Kansas City. So I could see this game being close for a while. And look, I could even see Cleveland getting a backdoor cover. I just find it hard to believe that for four quarters, they're going to control the, the the Chiefs from scoring over 30 points. The last game of the, uh, of the weekend is going to be Tampa Bay traveling to New Orleans. The Saints are a three-point favorite, and the total is 52. We go back to the initial stat. Tampa struggles against teams with winning records. They're one in five. Do we expect them to go in there and win? No, we don't. But again, here's something that you got to consider. Why is that line only three? Is it because the Saints didn't look sharp against the Bears and Tampa Bay won on Saturday and people, again, the money, Vegas thinks the money's going to go to Tampa, so why give them extra points because of Brady? Because what you're telling me is that on a neutral field, this game is a push? It's an even game? Tampa struggles with teams that play good defense. And their defense is highly overrated, Tampa Bay's. I expect the Saints to win this game. And I expect them to cover. Um, give you a score in that probably 27-20. How's that? 27-20. I will tell you, if I had to rank these games in order of must-watch, game one is definitely Buffalo-Baltimore. Game two would be Kansas City and Cleveland. Game three would be Tampa-New Orleans, and game four would be Green Bay and the Rams. I think the Green Bay Ram game, out of all the games, has the um, opportunity, has the opportunity to be probably the worst game of the weekend in terms of uh, the way the score dictates the things that occur in the game. It could be a snoozer in the fourth quarter. Well, once again, thank you, everybody, for listening to the Sergio Rodriguez show next week. We are down to four teams, and hopefully we get going now with a little bit more hoops. I know we wanted to put out a big hoop show last week, but we ended up doing the the Mets trade of of Lindor kind of threw a little monkey wrench into that but i promise that we're going to get into some hoops moving forward for you nba and college basketball lovers and remember that the sergio rodriguez show is a show unlike any other